0: Improve your focus with Calm's curated music tracks and drift off to dreamland with Calm's imaginative sleep stories. Go to calm.com AMR and for a limited time, get 40% off your Calm premium subscription with hundreds of hours of programming, unlimited access to Calm's entire library, and new content added every week. Tobo Athletic Shoes are designed to help you move naturally with a roomy toe box, secure midfoot, and low heel-to-toe drop to encourage a midfoot strike. Get 20% off your purchase up to three pairs at topoathletic.com with code TOPOAMR20. Beta Brand's ultra-comfortable dress pant yoga pants means your routine can include clothes with professional style and comfort that you actually look forward to wearing. Get 30% off your Beta Brand order when you go to betabrand.com.
1: Welcome to AMR Trains, a podcast about training and racing and endurance sports. I'm Dimity McDowell, co-founder of Another Mother Runner.
2: And I'm Sarah Wassner Flynn, co-host of AMR Trains. How are you today, Dimity? I am doing okay. How are you doing, Sarah? Good, yeah. I uh, started off my Monday by realizing I left my cycling shoes. I actually went to a studio cycling class, believe it or not, over the weekend. My first one in years.
1: Wow. Uh, Did you go to like, was it like Cycle Bar?
2: it was soul cycle. Soul
1: cycle. Okay.
2: Yeah. I did my friends surprised me and took me for my birthday, which is coming up. It was a little bit early. And so it was a big surprise. And um, you know, we were all I've talked about Peloton a lot here. So we're all Peloton devotees. And so that was just a little bit different. Um, we all decided we like our Peloton, but it was really fun being next to each other because, you know, it's so different being in a class versus being um, just, you know, by yourself in your basement, as I yeah. am always. So yeah, for that sure. Was super fun. But then I went to go ride yesterday. I was like, oh, I don't have my shoes. So I was a little out of sorts, but they're there. I just have to go pick them back up. And then I can get back on my bike this afternoon, which is good.
1: Good, so, good. So what was that the first time that you've been to that kind of class?
2: Yes. Yeah. I've heard so much about Soul Cycle, you know, since its inception. Um, and I just never did it. And I just, you know, didn't um have a need to. And then now I'm like, wow, I can see why people are really obsessed with it because it's an experience. It's of a as they you know, it's why it's called Soul Cycle. It's like a yeah, you get into your fields in that class for sure. Um, it's dark and the music's really loud and people are woo, you know, like really into it. Yes. Um, and because I guess yeah, my friend told him it was my birthday, even though it wasn't, it's still ten, <laughs> it was 10 <laughs> days away. I was so embarrassed that he came and like made a big deal about it and put a candle and on my, like right next to my bike. And at one point he had me blow out the candle during a ride, <laughs> during wow. one of the rides. Wow. Yeah, it was just different. It was I was like we're blowing candles out again. Like you know, we had to <laughs> I, like, I thought we didn't do that anymore. Um and we had our masks on the whole time too, which was a new experience. Oh my and gosh, wow, it was an hour long class. So having the mask on, but then he came up, the instructor was like, you can take your mask off for this and blow your candle out. And I was like, are you sure? Are you sure you want me to do that? So that's so <laughs> yeah, funny. So it was, it was different. Um, But we all agreed there were six of us and we were like, yeah, you know, I think we'll stick to Peloton, uh, even though it's, it's virtual you know it's not the girly like you know going to a class together experience i think that as far as a workout goes like me you know being one one to like make sure i get my workout in yes. um, it was more of just like a uh you know like i said like a if experience versus a hard hard
3: workout
1: yeah yeah we sarah um sarah bowen Shea and i and katie have done a class um i think i've only done it with them and yeah i definitely it is it is like a, it's a, it is a body, mind, spirit experience. So um, you kind of have to be in that headspace to go in if you're looking for, I mean, it was definitely a hard, I remember working, like it wasn't, it wasn't just like, we're going to spin and, you know, and find our chakras kind of thing. But it was definitely, yeah. it definitely had a, a different vibe to it and loud music for sure. Like that. I, I'm old enough. So, or I just, I've never really liked loud noises anyway. I like to be in charge of the volume. So that, that, that mm-hmm. definitely had me a little rattled. I remember in the
3: class when yeah, you brought that up. Yeah.
2: yeah. I, there's a lot of that. And I was like, okay, just lean into it. And you know, if you're used to, you're used to this with your bike, like you want to know what, what power you're, you're, you're cranking out and yeah. what your cadence is. And at my watch. I didn't have my watch on, so I didn't know what time it was. And I was just like, let it go. Lean into this there. You don't need to know <laughs> everything. Just like experience, like just take your head out of it. And so probably by like the halfway point, I was into it. Um, and I just like experienced, you know, like I just, I, I did enjoy it. I have to say, um, again, just my friends were there, you know, it's like we don't get to do that much together these days. And so sure. um, it felt like a very pre-pandemic, Saturday, which was which was just what I needed.
1: Good, good. That's yeah. great. Well, happy early birthday. Um, Thank you. That's exciting. And we are going to um, switch gears a little bit and um, head from the, the inner, you know, dark, loud noise of Soul Cycle to um, snowshoeing and, more importantly, running outside, kind of getting out in winter weather and embracing it. Are you someone who um, – who, do, you, do you enjoy being in the elements, Sarah? Or are you more of a fair I, weather you know runner?
2: What, I – so as a runner and, and growing up as a runner, you don't really have a choice. Like I never had a treadmill growing up, um, track practices were always outside. So I got used to running in the cold, uh, as far as other activities, I struggle. I do like, um, I, I when I'm running, I know I'm gonna be warm, and I know what to wear. And then, like with skiing, sledding, like anything with my kids outside, I really struggle. I'd rather be inside. Okay. Um, I have rain odds. I don't know. Do you know? Do you have rain odds or no? It's Sarah. You know, the other Sarah.
1: Has. Sarah <laughs> has rain odds as well. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you have. So remind people what mm-hmm. that is in case they don't know.
2: So it's like when you're, you're blood, it's a like constricting of the blood vessels in your fingers. It can happen in other parts of your body, like other extremities too. Um, but I, I guess what happens is your body's trying to like preserve heat in your core, basically. So it, the, the blood flow gets restricted in your extremities. So for me, my fingers, um, I can tell when it's coming on. It's just like, they get, they turn white, which is crazy. The first time it happened was in high school for me. And I thought I was dying. I was
1: like, oh, wow. A corpse.
2: Wow. Um, I ran home, you know, and my to- showed my mom, and we went to the doctor, and they just said, "This is what it is, and it's not life threatening. You'll be fine." And then it kind of went—I would say it probably like went away or went into remission at some point in my life, and then it's come back with a vengeance in the last five years. Oh shit! Um, I've spent yeah, so it's a- its just an annoyance, I have to say. Like it happened to me when I took my kids skiing a couple weeks ago. I really was in a bad place when they get like an attack. Um, yeah. It's not so much like the white, the the restricting of the blood flow. It's actually when the blood starts coming back into your fingers. Oh, um, when you warm up, it's so painful. Yes. It feels like you're being stabbed multiple yes. times. And like yes. you know, I've been through childbirth four times. And so I have a pretty <laughs> high tolerance for pain. Yes. And I was doubled over. I had to leave my kids on the run and just run inside. And I was crying. I'm like so embarrassed, but I was like in so much pain. Oh, my gosh. Um, I'm sorry. Wow. But yeah, I know. It's like, you know, I knew what I did wrong. It It's actually exacerbated by stress. And so, you know, when you're skiing with your kids, <laughs> sometimes yeah. it can be a little stressful. Yeah. So yeah. um, Nellie was having a really hard time and I was like trying to help her. And I think my body temperature was fluctuating because I was like getting hot and cold. And then I got really cold. So I there are steps that you can take to prevent things like from getting too bad. And um, I didn't have the right gloves. Like, I should have mittens um, yeah to say mittens
1: and then hand do i mean this this was probably you get this a lot um but Mm -hmm. do hand warmers help like bring Mm -hmm. yeah
2: they do um yes they i they they do i think it's all about this preparation and making sure you don't get to a place where your body is going to go completely out of whack which i did and it happens a lot in um, track practice too when i'm just standing um so if i move around i move my fingers a lot before i even get cold that seems to help Um, but yeah, it's pretty common. So I talk to other people who have it and, you know, I don't feel like it's going to be anything that's too detrimental. Just kind of takes the fun out of, um, cold weather. Fine outside. Yeah,
1: for sure. For sure. But you're a, you're a hearty soul from (laughs) Minnesota. (laughs) Minnesota. Does the cold bother you? I mean, I, you know, my blood is thin considerably. I know that my my Minnesota friends would tell you that a couple, gosh, it was probably two years ago in January, I went up to a friend of mine's cabin up near Duluth. Um, so it was pretty cold. And we like went snow mountain biking, which I'd never done before. So that was really oh. fun. And um, we did some snowshoeing. I think those were the two things we did outside. And um, yeah, I definitely don't have the tolerance that I used to. I mean, it's all about really, though um, having the right gear and making sure that you have, like, I'm, I am definitely a mittens girl. I don't have rain odds, but I mean, I just like, you know, mittens over gloves, you know, how many layers do you want the right kind of pants, making sure that, um, if you're, especially if you're going to be like not running on the roads, but in maybe on trails and stuff that your ankles are covered up. So you don't, you know, have bare Mm -hmm. ankles, that kind of thing, which our guests are going to talk about in a minute. So, um, do you want to introduce our first guest, Sarah? Yeah, well, we're going to
2: be bringing two exceptional women who they don't just run in chili temps, they race in them. And so the first guest is Sarah Canney. and she is just somebody I actually have followed for years and years on Instagram. She used to be, I think, Run Far Girl and now I think she just goes um by Sarah Kenny on Instagram. And um she's just a great person. She's just a very like easy to follow type of person on Instagram. But recently I picked up on the fact that she got into snowshoe running, which is really cool. And um, she has risen in the ranks and is in world, she went to the world championships in 2020, I think right before the pandemic and actually placed third in, and it was in Japan. And she wow. showed some video on her Instagram. I remember from a couple of years ago. And um, it's pr- it's really intense. And as far as watching like how it gets, you know, how you run in these snowshoes, And So so I've been fascinated by this and I'm so glad that you came up with the idea to have this as a podcast because I think that both she and then Jackie we'll talk to later are going to have such great insight, not only about
1: snowshoe running, but about running in the cold. Perfect. So Sarah lives in New Hampshire with her three kids and her husband and is the founder of the Rise Run Retreat and runs a snowshoeing running camp too. So welcome, Sarah. So excited to have you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Um, So, we have a lot to get through um, in a short amount of time, but so let's dive right in. How did you get into snowshoe running? Yeah. So I
4: kind of stumbled into snowshoe running by accident. I, um, used to hate the winter, despite the fact that I grew up in New Hampshire and, um, we had a particularly bad snowy winter Well, bad is a relative term, right? Um, particularly (laughs) snowy winter in 2014. And I was training for a spring marathon and I was so fed up and frustrated with the snowy roads and the ice and the slush and all that, um, all that you know, mess that seemed to be complicated, my complicating my marathon training that I ended up signing up for a nighttime snowshoe race. So this was, um, a snowshoe race that was going to be under the full moon. Um, and you had to bring a headlamp. Um, and I ended up showing up for that race with no prior experience, just kind of dove headfirst into it. um, and it ended up being so thrilling and so fun that I was hooked.
1: That is so cool.
2: Yeah. So I think you need to clear up for me, at least how you run in snowshoes, because the one time I did it, I felt like I was wearing clown shoes and it was very cumbersome. So tell us a little bit about like this, the act of running in snowshoes. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
4: So I think the key thing here is that Um, In order for it to feel comfortable, um, you really need to have running snowshoes. So the difference between a hiking or a trekking snowshoe and a running snowshoe is that a running snowshoe is going to be quite a bit lighter, it's going to be shorter and more narrow. So if you're walking around and you're hiking, trekking, snowshoes, thinking, how would anyone run in these? Um, we don't. We run <laughs> in running snowshoes that are specifically built for running. So they allow you to have um, a more natural stance. So it, you've probably noticed in your hiking or trekking snowshoes that your stance is a little bit wider because you have to accommodate for um you know, for your hips being, for your feet being a little bit wider than your hips, but with mm-hmm. a running snowshoe, they're more narrow. So, um, so it feels a little bit more natural.
1: Okay. Thank you. Yeah. And to be that. clear, I Thank mean, you. even though, like Sarah, I, I think sometimes um, people think of snowshoes still, and they think back to like Daniel Boone and like the, right. I don't know what were they called, like the da- waffle one. I don't, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. They're, they're,
4: they're a wood frame with, yes. um, I think it's like this sinewy rope
1: Yeah, Yeah, a lot work. Uh Yeah. So even like the trekking ones, yes, they are definitely a Mm -hmm. little bit more clunky than, you know, than the running snowshoes. I mean, running snowshoes are really sleek. I mean, you barely even notice that they're on your feet. Mm -hmm. Um, But even the the trekking ones, I mean, they've come so far that you, you, I mean, you know, you couldn't run in them for a long time. But if you needed to like, you know outrun a bear or something like that you can do it I don't know <laughs> yeah. but I just want to make it like it's like it's not like there's that, that much of a gradation between the two like they're both basically if you can walk you can snowshoe right
4: mm-hmm. yeah yeah totally and you know I think once you get the right gear um you can actually have a lot of fun out on the snow in terms of um you know just you'd be surprised at how naturally it comes to you once you get out there
1: yeah mm-hmm. yeah so so snowshoeing transformed you, you you've said, mm-hmm. into a winter-loving athlete who craves the cold. So was it snowshoeing that caused that shift, or did you have to also change your mentality a little bit about looking out your New Hampshire window in February?
4: Yeah. Well, I think it was snowshoeing that helped change the mentality. Um, it really gave me something to look forward to in the winter in terms of I now could sort of mark my winter by the races that I was going to participate in. Um, I became eager for the snow to fall because I wanted snow to run on. Um, and so it really kind of transformed the way that I, that I looked at winter and, and kind of changed my attitude towards it. So, Um, Yeah.
1: When you were, when you were marathon training prior to your first, Mm -hmm. you know, um, moonlight snowshoe, like, did you just run outside or were you more of a treadmill runner or a little of both or.
4: I was definitely an outside runner. We didn't have a treadmill at the time and I did not have a gym membership. So I was like, it was do or die kind of,
2: kind of thing with the, with the running outside. So Yeah. So, you, kind so Sarah, of just- you mentioned with the right kind of gear, you can have a lot of fun. So aside from the snowshoes, which are obviously the most important part, what is your other go-to gear as far as outside running goes?
4: Yeah, I can kind of walk you through kind of head to toe what, what I put on in terms of gear. And I, usually I start, if I'm going to be out for, um, like a longer training run, I'll put on a pair of waterproof trail shoes. Um, so anything with Gore-Tex, that's gonna help keep your feet dry and warm. And then a nice pair of Merino um, wool socks is a great idea. Um, and then a gator to keep the snow out of your shoe. Um, and then a pair of winter running tights and um, you know anything that's gonna kind of keep you warm. Um, is a great idea. And then if you have it, um, one of those quilted skirts, like those quilted Nordic ski skirts are fantastic to keep things dry, especially if you're running in fresh powdery snow, you'll kick up a lot of that snow and it ends up basically all down your back, all down your butt, and um, if you can keep your butt dry and warm, that's uh, that's a plus for staying
1: comfortable. <laughs> I love it. Hey, okay, stop for one second. So, winter running tights. Do you have a specific brand you like, or I do you have? Do. A, yeah, what do yeah, you like?
4: So, my I am a huge fan of Kari Trå. They are a brand out of Norway. Um, yeah. Their tagline is for, "for girls by girls," so it's a, a women-owned company. Um, and they specifically make gear for Nordic skiing, downhill skiing, and pretty much any sort of winter activity you can think of. And I think because it's a Norwegian brand, they just know winter. And so yeah. they've designed these really great tights. The name of the tight is the Tyrill tight. Um, and it has these panels across the back and the front that are, Um, water resistant and wind resistant. Um, And so that those are my go-to anytime I'm going out um, for a snowshoe run, I put those tights on.
1: Nice. Nice. And does Kari try, do they make the skirts as well? Or do you get them? Do you get that somewhere
3: else?
4: Yeah. So they don't, that I know of make a quilted skirt, um, but uh, any cross country skiing brands like Swix or craft, they'll have um, one of those quilted Nordic skiing skirts. Nice.
2: Um, (laughs) I, do you want to continue up? Did you have any, what's your like go-to for tops? And yeah, so
4: yeah, so you'll definitely want like a base layer. And then, um, over the top, it really kind of depends on the temperature. Obviously, um, what I, the rule of thumb that I give people is when you're dressing for snowshoe running, you want to dress like you're going out for a winter, interval run or tempo run. So, you know, you're going to be like, if you're going out for a harder effort out on the road, you're going to dress a little bit lighter. Cause you know, you're going to be sweating quite a bit. Same thing goes for snowshoe running because you're, because it's such hard work. Your heart rate gets up pretty high, pretty quickly. You can sweat quite a bit. Um, even if it's, you know, in the teens or twenties. Um, so you want to dress, you don't want to overdress. Cause you'll, you'll just get too, too wet, too sweaty. And then get really cold, obviously. So, um, yeah, so dressing as if you're headed out for a winter tempo run is kind of my rule of thumb. So a a good wicking base layer. And then over the top of that, I'll put, um, typically a vest, like a nice running vest or a, you know, windbreaker type rain jacket, something that is a little, has a little bit of water resistance to it. Um, that way, as you're kicking up the snow, it just can kind of slide off the jacket or the vest. Um, if you're wearing sort of fleecy layers or anything that's cotton, um, the snow just sort of, um, lands on it melts because of your body heat and then soaks right into the fabric. So anything that is going to kind of allow that moisture to, to drip off is, is a good idea.
1: That's a good call. And what about accessories? Let's talk about what you like on your hands and your head.
4: Yeah. So, um, hands and head, um, a headband or hat is always a great idea. And then, um, for me, I'm I'm always going for a run mitten um or a fleecy um warm mitten because my hands tend to get pretty cold. So of course this is all relative, depends on the outside temperature. Um yesterday I hosted a snowshoe running clinic and it was uh minus two degrees when I got to the venue where we were hosting the clinic. So oh obviously that's like that's like a glove and then mitten kind of day. Like you're gonna double up the layers. Um, but I've also been at snowshoe races where I've worn a t-shirt and a baseball hat and gloves, you know, so it, it honestly just depends on the conditions and the, the temperature.
2: Yeah, I was looking yeah. at pictures. Weren't you wearing a t-shirt at the world championships?
4: I was. Yeah. So the yeah. world championships in Miyoko, Japan, um, the race day temperatures were right were right around 45 or 50, and it was sort of spitting drizzly snowish sleet kind of thing. Um, yeah. So for that, you know, some, some of the guys actually were wearing shorts. Um, I opted for tights just because you do kick up so much snow and, um, you know, it's just a little added protection, but yeah, I had tights, a short sleeve baseball hat and gloves, and that was my outfit for, for the day.
1: Wow. Wow. Well so what's what's the most I mean -2 sounds pretty intense. It sounds yeah. kind of Olympian right now. Um but I mean what's the worst temperature you've ever been out? Like have you ever been out in a blizzard? Have you been out in, you know,
4: Yeah. -10 I mean,
1: or I don't know.
4: <laughs> yeah, I I actually have quite a few terrible uh winter weather stories, but I think the worst probably weather that I've been out um, for a while we lived along the coast of Maine temporarily while we were building our house. And there was a nor'easter that came up the coast. Um, and I went out in the nor'easter and it was pretty gnarly um, in terms of just the wind and the snow um, and the surf kind of um, coming over the road along the shore. So that was, that was pretty intense.
1: Yeah. yeah.
4: Also okay. kind of thrilling and a really interesting, like, like uh uh weather weather channel
2: um host kind of way. <laughs> yes, yes. Like, I hope I don't get blown over kind of way. Exactly.
0: Yeah. We I did.
2: Ex- like when, when weather gets extreme and you're out there, you like feel so like badass and I feel like it's exactly. even more exhilarating. Like usually weather unless it's really high wind, that's usually when I really get mm-hmm. to suffer in the, you know, extreme weather. But when it's raining, like sometimes it's just like gets your mind off the run. So mm-hmm. I don't know about a nor'easter. Can't say I've ever run in a nor'easter before. A true one, at least. I don't get them down here, but yeah. So, um, what I mean, you're just so inspiring. And I know with your camps and your clinics, you are out there giving people advice all the time. So, if there are people out there who are a little hesitant about running in the cold weather, what's some advice you can offer to just embrace it?
4: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, some of the things, in terms of running in the winter, and then also with snowshoe running, I think you have to really adjust your expectations, um, on how things are going to go. Um, you know, obviously if the roads are covered with, with snow and ice and slush, um, you might not hit paces that you would normally be trying to hit. Um, and I think, you know, just focusing on, I, I honestly think the thing that's captured me about snowshoe running and winter running is just the beauty of the snow, the falling snow being out in the woods. Um, and so if you can kind of focus on that and focus on, you know, being in your effort as much as possible and kind of cover up your watch and forget about pace, forget about distance and, and just focus on, on getting out there, I think, um, can make it enjoyable.
1: I like it. I like it. Well, and what about if you want, if we have people who are like, wow, that sounds really fun. I want to try a snowshoe race. Um, Where, where would they start? And like, are there snowshoes for rent? Like, or do you have to kind of talk about that a little bit? Mm
4: -hmm. Yeah. So if you're looking for a local race, the best website to head to would be snowshoeracing.com. And that is the, um, the U S uh, snowshoe association website. Um, they have a searchable, um, link there where you can find, um, races based on the region that you're in. Um, so that's a great place to start if you want to, um, sign up for a snowshoe race. And then, many of the races will have, uh, loaner snowshoes that you can rent for a nominal fee. Um, and I work closely with Dion snowshoes. They're a a fantastic running snowshoe that's made in Vermont. Um, and they actually provided the snowshoes for the clinic that I just held. Um, and, um, which gave people a chance to, to try snowshoe running out, but, you know, if you don't have the equipment, I had it there available for people. So, yeah. um,
1: yeah. That's cool, that's cool. I have a, a small a small, short story to share a long, long time ago when we were in, um, this is like press trip land, like when you used to go in, um, when I was writing for magazines, and I was um, brought up to Vail, for um, was Tubbs Snowshoes. Uh, they were part of it. And um, and there was a race at the top of the mountain. Um, and it was a it was a 10K. And I was like a runner then. So I was like, hey, that's no problem. <laughs> <laughs> OMG, I, I cannot even tell you, Sarah, both Sarah's, like how hard it was yeah. and how tired I was. I mean, it took mm-hmm. me I mean, this was probably before 2000. It probably took me two hours easily. Yeah. Like I was out there for mm-hmm. a very long time. So, mm-hmm. um, which is a long way of saying, is there like, do you recommend starting with like a 5k or, um, or what? What do you like if someone even if even even if they are like a strong, you know, half marathon or mm-hmm. marathon or where, where's a good distance to start?
4: Yeah, I would say. I mean, for the most part, a lot of the snowshoe races that I've encountered tend to be around that 5k or four mile ish distance, okay. um, which is a great place to start. I think if you're coming to it from road running, um, you really have to take whatever like pace is like your, your pace on the road and just toss that out the window because the pace that you run is totally dependent on the snow conditions. Um, and that can change. You could run the same race, you know, one year and come back to it the next year. And your time is going to be completely different, even if it's the same course, simply because the snow can be different and the snow affects the, affects your pace so much. So toss out your, toss out all your expectations of what pace you might be running on the snow, um, and just focus on your effort. And, and I think you can have a lot of fun.
1: Definitely. Definitely. Did you guys happen to watch the, um, the Beijing Olympics yesterday, they had the men's um, it was a thirty k? Um, mm-hmm. What is it called? Where well, they had to switch skis, the mountain. Um, oh, the
4: biathlon. It wasn't or... biathlon. They switched no. between have another
1: name for it. It now was I'm a it was a skiathlon. It was a okay. skiathlon, okay. yeah. and so they were in their classic skis for fifteen k, and then they switch over to their skate skis for fifteen k. Okay. But but what made me think about it, Sarah was that. Um, It's the the snow, right? And like, Mm -hmm. it's all man-made snow in Beijing at the Olympics, apparently. I didn't know that. Um, And they were talking about how styrofoamy it felt and, Mm. you know, and just very, um, very different than if it's like melty or, you know, there was not a lot of glide. And so their times are really slow and um, Mm -hmm. as a result. So I don't know. (laughs) Just throwing that out there
2: yeah yeah it it takes you at like takes some pressure off and then you can just focus on
1: racing which is really fun
2: too
3: yeah
2: awesome
1: yeah well thank you sarah that was really fun to talk to you good luck are you heading back to the world championships this year by any chance or are they even going on
4: yeah. So I'm headed to the national championships in Wisconsin, which are in March and the, um, the world championships are in Argentina in, uh, end of August, beginning of September this year. Oh, and unfortunately cool. I won't be able to, um, to attend those. So, um, but fingers crossed for, um, for the next year. Um,
2: yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely keep our fingers crossed for you. And it's just really neat to see you pursue a different sport, a different version of running. Um, and hopefully you'll inspire some people out there to try it.
4: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me on. It's, I love the sport. I think it's so fun Um, and it's great to see um, people interested in it.
0: All right. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. As a runner for decades and the former athletic footwear editor for Shape Magazine, I've tried a lot of running shoes. So when I tell you that the Topo Phantom Two is my favorite running shoe of all time, you should sit up and take notice. You might not have heard of Topo Athletic before. They're a relative newcomer in the athletic shoe realm, but the folks who started Topo are longtime industry leaders. Topo was founded on a core mission help people move better for the rest of their lives. That's why Topo creates products that embrace the body's natural biomechanics and avoid gimmicky design features. They simply want people to feel empowered to move freely and without injury so that traveling the path of wellness can be an ongoing lifestyle. The Phantom puts these words into action with a roomy toe box yet a wonderfully snug midfoot enhanced by an ever so slightly stretchy laces that I just adore the mesh upper made of 30% recycled materials is free of overlays meaning my foot stays cool and there's no rigid extras to rub or bind underneath all of this is the aptly named zip foam that provides a zippy yet not mushy feel as I put in mile after mile on the roads to try topo shoes for yourself the Phantom 2, or any of the other great road, trail, and recovery shoes, we have a special code just for our audience. Get 20% off your purchase up to three pairs at topoathletic.com with code topoamr20. At website t-o-p-o-a-t-h-l-e-t-i-c.com, code topoamr20. This 20% deal expires on February 28, 2022, so use it now. topoathletic.com, code topoamr20. I've learned a lot of clever phrases from mother runners, including hard pants, as in stiff, uncomfortable pants that a lot of us wear or wore to work. No more, cast off your hard pants in favor of Betabrand's Dress Pant Yoga Pants. These magical dress pants are soft and stretchy and just as comfy as yoga pants, yet they make you look polished and pulled together. I'm grateful to Betabrand for supporting another mother runner. Make sure to use our special URL. Go to betabrand.com AMR for 30% off. Some pants specifics. Betabrand's pant, Yoga Pant are soft, comfy, perfectly stretchy, and stay wrinkle-free, all while looking like spiffy dress pants. Choose from dozens of colors, patterns, cuts, and styles, like bootcut, joggers, crop, skinny, and more. And they have fun, limited-time prints and colors, but they sell out fast, so when you see a pair, snap them up. I was eyeing a pair of Beta brand pants in a limited-edition color to go with a new AMR T-shirt I'm wearing at our retreat, but when I went back a few days later to buy them, they were completely sold out of that seasonal color. Just like our favorite running caprice, Beta Brand pants have loads of pockets, making them perfect for travel and an on the go lifestyle. A pair of Beta Brand pants I will be sporting at our retreat are the Power Down Pants in Go With Everything Black. Made of lightweight, four way stretch fabric, they have four concealed pockets, including two zippered ones, and they're pull on style with a three inch wide waistband. Easy peasy and good looking. Right now, get 30% off your Beta Brand order when you go to slash AMR. That's B E T A brand.com slash amr for 30% off your order for a limited time. Make sure to use our special URL because it supports our show. Find out why women are buying five different pairs of these pants. For this ad break, we want you to take a literal break, no matter what you're doing. Unclench your jaw, drop your shoulders, and take a deep breath. Sometimes we all need a reminder to take a little time for ourselves, and calm can help. We're longtime partners with Calm, the number one mental wellness app, to give you the tools that improve the way you feel and to help you manage the pace of life. Sleep more, stress less, live better with Calm. There are so many times of day and ways to use Calm. Start or end your day with guided daily meditations, my favorite. Improve your focus while working or studying with Calm's curated music tracks and fall asleep to Calm's imaginative sleep stories. When you go to calm.com slash AMR, you'll get a limited time offer of 40% off a Calm Premium subscription, which includes hundreds of hours of programming with new content added every week. And I keep finding new times to use Calm. Last week, as I was waiting to donate blood, I started getting super anxious. I whipped out a pair of headphones from my purse and queued up a favorite daily Calm meditation. A few minutes of listening to the host's soothing voice and practicing guided breathing was exactly what I needed to slow my racing heart and mind. For listeners of the show, Calm is offering a special limited time promotion a of 40% off a Calm premium subscription at calm.com slash AMR. Go to calm.com slash AMR for 40% off unlimited access to Calm's entire library. That's calm.com slash AMR.
2: Our next guest is Jackie Herring, a name which is probably familiar to anyone who follows professional triathletes. Jackie is among the world's best triathletes. In fact, she finished seventh in the Ironman 70.3 World Championship last fall even more impressive she's experienced her biggest successes in the sport after having
1: her two kids who are about to turn four and six and while many of jackie's competitors go to warmer locales to train during the off season jackie stays in her hometown of madison wisconsin all winter long she swims bikes and runs no matter the weather Although hopefully you're not swimming in, um, what is it, Lake Superior? That's right, Lake Michigan. I can't remember the <laughs> name. Which lake is in Madison, Jackie?
5: We've got a couple of lakes, Lake Monona and Lake Mendota. Lake oh, Monona I'm... is where Ironman Wisconsin is, but oh, okay. yeah, they're, they're ice, they're not water. Okay,
1: all right. <laughs> and like uh, Sarah Keeney, she also snowshoe races in the winter.
5: So um, welcome, Jackie, excited
1: to have you here.
5: Yeah. Thanks for having me on ladies. I'm excited too. I love talking about winter training. So this is great.
2: So uh, Jackie, you recently posted about how fresh air does wonders for you and lights you up. Um, But even frigid air, like, do you have a cutoff for where you just say,
5: no, thanks. I'm going to train inside today. It depends on what I'm trying to, to do, I guess, for training, but even on the coldest of The cold days, I still will at least go outside for a walk just because, yeah, I think for me and for most people, the value of just getting fresh air and even if the sun's not out, just feeling that you're outside in nature just really does wonders yeah absolutely. It just makes you feel like you're alive, right? Exactly. yes,
1: yeah, and not in the stale air of your basement, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I'm putting my basement on yours. but um well, so um so tell us about your um key gear when you are running outside. Do you cycle outside too in the wintertime, or do you keep that inside mostly?
5: Um it is I would say it's mostly inside, but I do ride outside probably two days a week. Um, oh, wow. on my, on my fat bike, if it's really cold, I do the fat bike. If it's, you know, around 30 degrees, I'll, I'll do the cross bike. Um, okay. but so, yeah, I can go through my main gear. I guess we can start with biking since, since we started there biking. I think my biggest key item is, um, I have some 45 North winter ride boots because, As we know, if the toes are cold, you pretty much want to be all done. So for me, like a good pair of wool socks and these winter ride boots, I can ride in almost any temperature I find. So it's those. And then I have this really beefy pair of um, Scott mittens Mm -hmm. that, that serve me pretty well. And other than that, I have some fleece lined bibs from... Win Republic that, um, seem like they're a little thin, they're really flexible, which I love. Uh, but they, I've ridden down to about 10 degrees in those and been fine and yeah, just a lot of layers, real good base layer on top and keeping the body kind of toasty starting with, with the core, I guess. What about your face? Are you putting like a,
1: a gator on or a balaclava or what are you putting on?
5: Yeah, if that's kind of depends on the wind mostly and the temperature, but if it's cold and windy and I really want to go outside, um, I have like a kind of like a fleece line. It's probably a ski helmet um, (laughs) that I got at Costco, Yeah, Uh, (laughs) a ski helmet with ski goggles and then a buff. So literally covering every part of my skin, zero skin out if it's really cold. Otherwise, um, yeah, definitely some bigger glasses and, and some type of buff covering your face till you warm up. Nice. is good. <laughs> yeah. And pretty much just cover in- all the skin.
2: Just in case anyone was wondering, Jackie, can you specify what the difference between a fat bike and a cross bike is? Sure.
5: Yeah. A fat bike is the ones you see with the really big fat tires, and those are great for riding in winter, even if you're on the road, because you just go slower. Um, But those are what people take on snow, and you'll see a ton of fat bike racing kind of has gotten to be trendy now, so that's the thing going on. But even more trendy than that is gravel riding, Um, (laughs) (laughs) which which I, I kind of don't do now because I value my body parts too much, but I did gravel, a lot of gravel riding um, almost 10 years ago now. So that's what my cross bike is, is it's a gravel bike, I guess, but people use it for cycle cross. So it's got skinnier tires, but still um, kind of nubby, not as big as mountain bike tires, but the geometry is more like a road bike.
2: Mm-hmm. And both of those you can take out onto like snowy or like, I'm sure you're not riding on ice, but like different elements. In the-
5: yeah. On- yeah. They're better in like non-perfect road conditions. Mm-hmm. The cross bike, I have a fender on it. So I, I, that's kind of my ride when the roads are like wet and sloppy bike. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so I know you've probably run through and cycled through lots of different weather in the in, in winter weather, especially. So if you had one standout, crazy cold weather moment that you've lived through, lived to tell the tale of.
5: Oh, yes. And I just <laughs> had a, a memory. I just thought of this moment, um, a couple of days ago, since I put on some snowshoe races here in Wisconsin and we had a race at one of our favorite trails, at Donald park it's called. And back when I first started these snowshoe races, I think I started them in 2013 and in 2015, we decided we'd do our first half marathon and we planned the date. It was gonna, It was like Valentine's day morning. We were going to do this snowshoe half marathon. And we woke up that day and it was like zero degrees with 30 mile an hour winds. But we were dead set on doing this half marathon. So it was like me and five other people uh, <laughs> who we had to set up a bin with like fresh gaiters and fresh mittens and stuff, because you get so sweaty when you snowshoe and in those temperatures, like the sweat would turn to ice immediately. So we had to do these loops and change, change our hats, change our mittens. Um, every loops because it was freezing to ice right away and it was just kind of like kind of miserable, but then you got done and you're like, I can't believe that I did that. that's pretty insane so had <laughs> a good good sense of accomplishment from surviving that one. yeah and how do you like when when you know that you're going, i mean granted I know this was a thing you were
1: putting it on and you kind of had we were a lot of uh you know, probably a lot of adrenaline going into the morning, but if that was just a normal training morning and your log called for, or your, your coach called for, you know, 13 mile, you know, easy endurance run outside, like, how would you psych yourself up for that?
5: Well, that's the thing. I don't think I would have done it otherwise. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, the power of an event to like, get you to do a thing. Yeah. And, and that's, that's kind of how I function in winter and why I started these snowshoe races. It's partially selfish for me because if I have this thing, I'm going to go do it. And I think that's the same for all the people that show up and why it's such a, a cool community. Cause we're all like, well, we love our warm houses, but also <laughs> like we want to do these things and, you know, get outside and, but yeah, you kind of need, need the other people to, help you along the way. Yeah, yeah. Well, and so Sarah talked a little bit about, um, tra-
1: you you brought it up, like you sweat so much when you are snowshoe racing or snowshoe running. Um, but when you're going out for an easy run, talk about a little bit about the gear that you would wear um, for that versus maybe if you were, you know, just ro- running on the road, like what are some key things that you think about um, when it's below freezing?
5: Yeah, the key, I think for any any winter thing for me is is the good base layer. I have these mm-hmm. um craft I don't know craft base layers that I've had for several years that are still just kicking butt. They're they're really good in really cold temps. Um so yeah, it's just base layer keeping the core core toasty and also good um just good mittens. My hands tend to um be fairly warm I'm not somebody that struggles with like cold extremities so I mean I think some people really have to make it their life mission to find the perfect mitten but for me I can wear almost any mitt and be okay um yeah it's just just layers okay and are you when you say it's a good base layer is that
1: long underwear like are you is, is it a craft long underwear or is it tights and a top that you like
5: um, it's like a craft it's probably like a merino wool type of situation I'm not okay. exactly sure but if you look up craft base layer it's sure. just a top yeah and oh, it's just a top the, okay on the, what are the you wearing top. on the bottom on the bottom I just wear honestly I've I've got several pairs of these tights that are from Costco I'm I don't know if you can tell i'm a huge costco fan <laughs> um <laughs> costco is life over here so <laughs> costco sometimes has this brand called 90 degrees uh-huh. um uh-huh. i know i know that those yeah. those are great a lot of them are kind of like warmish tights and those yeah. are my winter running tights i love hey. it um, i love it you gotta yeah world class <laughs> athlete getting her gear at Costco. I love it. Hey, (laughs) hey, I have a really good athletic wear sponsor, but they do not go in cold temperatures. It, you know, it's Mm -hmm. a couple, a couple of pro triathletes that, um, live in like eternal summertime, I think. So they don't make (laughs) any cold weather gear. (laughs) (laughs)
2: So going back to snowshoeing, you mentioned that you started these races, which is great. I don't know how you can do that with everything else that you have going on. Um, but you race as well. So is this something that you just dabbled like as your cross training when you're on off season, or are you ever going to pursue it at the world level? Like Sarah does.
5: Well, um, I mean, I, I like to race at nationals for snowshoe, but the thing with snowshoe is, for me, as somebody who races for a living, um, there's no money in snowshoe and, and it costs, it's, it's pretty costly to travel to these events. Um, like to worlds, for example, um, I was kind of pricing out heading to worlds and I just can't figure out how, you know, of course my ego wants to go travel to worlds and win worlds and say, good job, me. I'm you know, potentially a world champion, but in the scheme of how that fits into my current life and you know, my, my racing as a pro, I think it would just like, it would feel really good to me, but I don't think it is a necessary, I don't know. It would be a cool experience, but I think I got I have other more important races at this point, sadly. <laughs> I, yeah, you could tell I've struggled with that decision, but. Yeah, that's <laughs> the one in Argentina Sarah was talking oh.
2: about coming up. Yeah, that sounds pretty amazing. To be running in snow in August.
5: A very I know. Experience. Yeah.
1: Um well so we we probably have a lot of listeners who aren't fans of running outside. So, um Jackie, give them a little pep talk. Like cuz we often say on this podcast um that it, it looks so much worse from behind the windshield or in your house than it actually feels outside most of the time, right? Like it's so you're in this nice warm environment, it's hard to imagine going out into the the wet or the cold um voluntarily, but 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 tell people that it's worth it. <laughs>
5: Yeah, it is worth it. Um, A couple things that come to mind. Number one is you have to get used to dealing with adversity, um, especially if you want to be any type of competitive racer, because conditions are not always perfect for races. And things also happen to you during races that will cause you to have to deal with unpleasant situations. And I think practicing that in in training and putting yourself into maybe not your ideal um, situation helps you be prepared to deal with that uh, during the events. Mm -hmm. And second thought is that, yes, it is kind of hard to get going. But what I always tell myself is just get the gear on and get out there. And if, you know, after 10 minutes, it really, really sucks still, then just head back home. Um, you know, it's kind of like, usually once you get going and you for me, it's about 10 minutes in where the initial coldness, like I'm fixed, I'm all warmed up and I can appreciate good job me for getting outside and doing this and getting the fresh air. So if you can get over that 10 minute hump and things feel better, then then you're good to go and keep going. And, and most of the time, that will be the case
2: um i wanted to ask jackie earlier in an uh, episode or a podcast that we did we had a woman who likes to do like the cold water swimming and she's part of the polar bear club at coney island are you also as like into are you do you embrace cold water as much as you do like cold air or is that a separate story <laughs> um as yeah, I think,
5: like, I think, think that's, from, I, like that. I think that's a different story for me. I try <laughs> to swim in a pool as much as possible. Um, <laughs> I did do Alcatraz last year and that was kind of brisk. Um, and I did enjoy the um, excitement of that, but mm-hmm. I don't think I specifically like to seek out cold water. I, I really am a comfort creature. Um surprisingly.
2: Yeah. There's some, yeah, I think with uh, swimmers and triathletes too, there's like two schools. Like I have a friend who doesn't care the temperature at all. She'll just get in and she's like, your body warms up. You're fine. And then there's people like me have to stick all my toes in and think about it and really like psych myself up to get into cold water. Um, but yeah, it's different than just going out in the elements when you're all layered up and you know, you're not going to be wet and you're going to be like comfortable versus, plunging yourself into a cold body of water.
1: Jackie, thank you so much for joining us. I um we appreciate your insight and um and your uh your gusto in, in
5: getting out there and getting it done. Thank you. Thank you, Dimity and Sarah both for for having me on. And hopefully I shared some good tips with your people and your followers and can inspire them to get out there. If they live somewhere cold, just get out there and do it. Yes, I think you did. And we'll encourage everybody to follow you on Instagram
2: because you're about to start a big season of triathlon, totally, you know, hopefully in warmer locations and good luck to you this season and everything that you're doing.
5: Yep. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jackie.
1: Thank you. Before
5: we head out, we have a little
1: low temp roll call. We asked a variety of mother runners about the coldest temperatures they've ever run in. Enjoy their answers and then layer up and get out there, friends.
4: This is Kate in Menominee, Wisconsin, and the coldest run I've done recently is probably the Yukon Challenge in Minneapolis. It was a five-mile race, and I think it was one degree by the time I finished. It was early in the morning, it probably felt like negative ten due to wind chill, and I think the most unique part of the race was that I had to go through um, snowdrifts to get to the porta potty.
3: Hi, this is Gretchen, and I'm calling from Central Maine, and I know it's cold when I run, when my nostrils start sticking together and freezing, and when I blink, I can feel my eyelashes starting to freeze together. The coldest temperatures that I've run in are probably right around zero degrees and plus or minus a wind chill. Certainly good winter gear is helpful, but there are just some things that you can't prevent. Hi, my name is Anna Carlson, and I am a Bammer from Circle Pines, Minnesota. The coldest temperature that I have run in is 10 to 12 below zero. That was the wind chill, and I was a new runner at the time, one of my first experiences with winter running, and I didn't really pay attention to how different the real feel can be from the actual temperature that is stated. So I thought I was running in like 10 to 15 above zero and it was so cold. I had frozen eyelashes. My hair was frozen stiff. Um, I could not get warm. It didn't last very long. Uh, so since then, my new threshold is it needs to be above zero as a real feel, um, and I do much better in that. Good morning, lovely Another Mother Runner women. This is Christine from Belle Fouche, South Dakota. Just the other day I ran in temperatures of minus six degrees Fahrenheit. In order to be appropriately ready for these kind of temperatures where I'm wearing multiple layers, upwards sometimes of three layers, especially on my core, I'm required to insulate my water bottles and my hydration vests, sometimes even adding hand warmers to them so that the bottles don't freeze. Your buff gets frozen from all of the moisture that you're breathing out, and you then begin to suffocate because you can no longer breathe through your buff. Um, It's a trick to be prepared for these kind of temperatures, but it's also a lot of fun to get out there and know just how badass you are for running in sub-zero temps. Hope you have a great day. Bye.
0: Hi, this is Annette in LaPorte, Indiana, just 10 miles south of Michigan. The coldest run I've ever done was in zero degrees with a negative 10 degree wind chill. My phone actually froze on the run and I had to replace it. When I got home, my husband asked, do you feel like a badass running in weather like that? And I said, well, yes, I really do. And that put a smile on my face for the rest of the day. Hi, this is
2: Colleen from Erie, Pennsylvania. The coldest weather that I have ever run in is a real temperature of zero. I don't even know what the wind chill was, but it was a seven mile run while training for a half marathon and the snow was coming down so hard I had to wear sunglasses to keep it out of my eyes and had to follow the light posts in order to see where I was running. It is typically cold in Erie, so that's a normal run for me. In fact, my husband and I actually ran across Presque Isle Bay, which is a bay off of Lake Erie this weekend. The majority of the bay is frozen, so you can do those types of things here. Happy
1: running and stay warm.